0: I think we're going. I think so. Is it going? You're good. All right. Um, Yeah, guys, grab a chair. Um, Okay, well, welcome everybody. this is how we finished RCIA last year. We weren't here, but we did, we used this little guy to kind of live stream. Um, so, <clears throat> hey guys, welcome. There's chairs over here. Uh, apparently there's not. Yeah. There's more through there, I'm guessing. Yes, stuff. there are. house. Okay. It was in my house, yeah. We did this in my house at the end of the year last year. Um, if things get better with COVID, what we usually do in here is we set up tables and we have all that kind of thing, but we want people to kind of feel comfortable. We thought if you set your own t- uh, chair out, you can be like, hey, you know, we're together, we're not. You can set your chair whatever distance you want. If you're watching uh, live tonight, thanks for tuning in. Um, I do think there's something good about people coming in person. Um, it's okay if you're not there yet, if you're not comfortable with it totally fine, um, but there. I think there is something a little different about coming in person. So, um, Anya, do you remember, that? what's the email address for, yeah, so if
1: you want to come in person, you can just email rciadoors at gmail.com. and Steph here will help us get you on the list, make sure we're at a good number, um, all that. but don't be shy about wanting to come in person, that's great, if you want to
0: so we have a we have a limited number of signups, if you didn't hear that. Um, and if you want to come in person, if you just email RCIA Lords, L-O-U-R-D-E-S, at gmail.com. We'll do our best to get you in here in person. That way we know you're coming, it's a good thing. Um, okay, so <clears throat> here we go. You guys are like slanted, (laughs) the people in class are like, there's like one person here, there's like everybody's over here. Um, Welcome everybody, thanks for coming tonight, Um, both those of you who are here, those of you watching online. um, So we begin. So tonight we're just going to start with a prayer, and as I say every year, if you're at a place where you can pray right now, great, if not, that's fine, Um, but we're just going to pray, and... We'll kick that off that way. So, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord God, we bless you and praise you tonight. Um, I thank you for everyone who's taken a chance to to be here. And Lord, we ask that you would open all of us to your goodness and truth, to your mercy. Uh, Fill us with your goodness. We make our prayer through Christ our Lord. Okay, so we should probably do a few logistical things. Um, so we already said this. If you want to come in class, and I do recommend it if you're comfortable. If you're not, again, that's fine. Um, but just email and um, can we get you two again one more time in front of the camera? You guys want to come over? So two people who help with RCIA. If you don't know me, I'm Father Brian. I'm gonna be teaching, I'm the pastor here. Um, Steph Devaney is our RCIA coordinator. Uh, She's a volunteer and she does tons of work for this. So um, you'll meet her, you wanna say anything?
1: Yeah, Um, I work full time for Morgan Stanley so I monitor that email like throughout the day and at night so if I don't get back to you right away, that's why, but I do try to get back that day so you're welcome to email me anytime. I know we have some people out of state too who are watching this, so you can email me anytime for that. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say. Oh, for questions for people who can't comment on the Facebook, you can email the Lords at Gmail and I'm monitoring out throughout the whole class so I can ask you live. So you, it's still active, this is just the best way for us to do it, but I'm so excited to be here and that we have this big of a turnout amidst 2020, the year to remember, <laughs> so it's just great, <laughs> hopefully I can get to know you more, and then you can look at oh. and my name's Anya, I am a ministry coordinator here at Wars. I'm also five months pregnant, <laughs> so Steph is really going to be taking over so much of this, which is awesome, we're so happy to have her, always feel free to reach out to me as well, if you have questions or I can help direct you, if you have questions about Lords in general or other ministry, I'm more than happy to talk about that kind of thing as well, um, this is my third year with RCIA, second year kind of helping hands-on, and it's just a, my favorite thing. I just love it here. So we're so glad you're here. Thanks for being with us. Great.
0: So those two really do all the work, um, and so you'll you'll meet them. Um, we might have other people around, um, <clears throat> but they they are just awesome with logistics, helping with things. Um, And if you have questions, if you're watching again over live stream, um, you can type in a question on Facebook Live and uh, Stephanie's monitoring that. And so I'll ask her at times, also be like, Steph, are there questions? So feel free to do that. For those of you who are here in person, we also know sometimes it's a little hard to ask questions just, I don't know, just straight up. And so we do have a Q and A box. Anya's gonna hold that up. So um, if you have a question you're like, you know what, I just don't want to ask this for whatever reason, that's fine. Um, go write one down. Put it in the box and what we try to do is at the end of class or at other times we will try to pull questions out of that Q&A box and through the course of the year we'll work through that. Um, and that's just a great thing. I want RCIA. Every year what happens is that when it first starts people are a little nervous and they're like, okay, just getting to know Father Brian, don't know how comfortable I am, that's fine. My big goal, one of them with you, is that I want you to get to a place where you feel like, you know what, Um, FB is a normal guy, I can ask him anything, right? And I want you to get there, I want you to be in a place with me where you're like, I can ask Father Brian anything, he's not gonna be, people call me FB, I kinda prefer that. Um, so feel, feel free to do that at any time. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. Yes. You talked last week
2: about going to college
0: and studying. Study. Yeah, so, um, so at, the, at the really Catholic University of Colorado, um, that's a joke, um, <laughs> I studied accounting. We were just talking about this. I, uh, so I have, I have a business degree in accounting and I would be the worst accountant in the history of the world. Like, I didn't know what I wanted to do with life, like so many, I think, college kids. And so I went to business school, and then the best professor in my freshman year was the accounting professor, so I was like, okay, accounting. And now I'm like, basically the CEO of a small business, and my like business manager's like, I'm like, is that good or bad? She's like, that's pretty good. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'm like, all right. So that, that, that was my major at CU. Any other questions? Okay. So here we go. So tonight we begin, and we start with, and if you remember last week, if you tuned in last week or if you were with us upstairs in the church, one of the things I want to challenge you to, and, and two things I think I'll start off with, I want to challenge you to um, I want to start with, you sh- I don't want you to have a stance. If you come to RCIA and your stance is like this, there's nothing I can do. There's, a, there's nothing I can do. I will give you, I'm not, I am not the most intelligent, articulate voice out there, but I have studied a lot of what we're gonna talk about for at least 20 years. And I've studied it pretty intensely. Um, I will give you very good arguments for the things we're going to talk about. And I will try my best to speak to your mind and to your heart. Um, but this class is not just going to be good or bad based on me. The way you come to this class really matters. And if you come with a very closed off wall, um, I'll try to break that down, I'll make tacky priest jokes, you know, like, do whatever. I'll try my best to try to break those down. But at the end of the day, if you don't let those walls down, it doesn't matter how good my arguments are. It doesn't matter how clear the vision of the Catholic faith is. If you have that kind of stance, that's where you'll be. And so I just want to invite you, at least. It's okay to have skepticism, it's okay to say, I'm not there, and I'm not ready to jump in. That's fine. But I would invite you to be open. Um, okay. So tonight, so there's three big questions we're going to encounter. Oh, and the second thing, I should go back, sorry. <clears throat> the second thing I want to invite you to, we talked about this last week of class, is a sense of mystery. So again, we'll talk about this a lot. I don't know what happened in your life today. I don't know what happened. Um, All of us in COVID, this is a stressful time. And there's a lot going on. And so I don't know what happened in your life today. But at the base of what it means to be a human being is what one, one Catholic priest would say is the religious sense. Doesn't mean you're a Christian yet. Doesn't even mean you know who God is or if there is a God. But the human beings, Victor Frankl, right? isn't that who it was? Man search for meaning. Right? Yes, thank you. Um, There's something inside of us that says, I hunger for more. And there's something mysterious about, we'll get to a little bit of this tonight, about the world around us Right, like, like most of my days, I spend my days, I have too many emails, I have too many tasks to complete. I just have a lot going on. And my music is playing in my office. I don't have a television, but I have a laptop. <clears throat> and so something's on my laptop, and I'm worried about this interaction or that. And I forget that we are sitting on this hunk of rock we call Earth. Spinning around a star And this Very mysterious thing We call space That we don't know We always say, right, that, that the universe is expanding We talked about this last time What is it expanding into? What is this? How And how did it all get here? We'll talk a little bit about that tonight Um And then there's the questions of just our hearts and who we are as human beings, right? Like, every human being ever has this kind of sense of, like, searching for meaning. Um, What is the meaning of my life? Do I have a purpose? Am I loved? Am I not loved? Who are the people I'm called to love? Is there truth? Is there not truth? You know, am I supposed to, like, Pursue a certain meaning in my career, am I not? Um, but most days, if you're, if you're like me, which I assume you are, if you're like me, you don't think about that many days. Most you are just like, that jerk just cut me off in traffic, and it's Father Brian. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like upset because you just can't finish everything you're supposed to finish. And we don't slow down enough and think about the deeper things. And in RCIA, I'm gonna challenge you to that. And I'm gonna challenge you to, like I said at the start, I'm gonna to hope to speak to your heart, but also to your mind. Okay, let's pause there, questions, thoughts, complaints. By the way, we have beer Live in class, um, so I hope I hope I don't scandalize you. Catholics can drink. One more reason to be Catholic. Um, so I've got I've got my um, Negro Modelo. It's quite good. Questions. Um, I
1: have one from the peanut gallery over Yes, here. from the universe. Um. Okay, so the question is, hold on, like, eight. Okay, how is our love for God different than my love for my fiance? Maybe that can tee off the.
0: Wow, that's a deep question to start. So if you didn't hear that, the question was, how is my love for God different from my love for my fiance? We're going to talk in this class about what that word means. What does the word love mean? Um, There are different types of love. Um, The Greeks, for instance, and, and some of you have heard this, in English we really just have one word for love. In classical Greek philosophy and in the Greek language, there are four words for love. And there are things all of us will understand. Um, and just a very quick answer to that question, in Greek, the, the the four loves, C.S. Lewis has a famous book called The Four Loves. Um, those four loves are Eros, Philia, Agape, and Storge. Storge is the love of familiar things. When I go back to my neighborhood that I grew up as a, in as a kid, did that a couple years ago, I was on my bike and I was like... I drive, just bike down that neighborhood that I grew up on, grew up at Five Canyon Cedar, and I was just like, I just love this place. Familiarity. That's the type of love. It's a little different from Eros. Eros, we tend to think of Eros as a sexual love. It can be that, but it's a little more broad. Eros is an attraction. So anyone in your life that you just are like, man, I just, I cannot wait to be around that person, that's eros. Um, don't tell people that. <laughs> right? Don't be like, man, I realized at RCIA that I have total eros for you. They're going to be like, don't talk to me. <laughs> right? But that's what eros means in classical Greek language. Um, then there is uh, philia. So philia, we'll talk about this. Like Philadelphia is... Um, Adelphos is the Greek word for brother. Philia is a word for love. And so Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Philia is a family or a friendship love. Right? So my love for my little brother is different from the attraction I have for someone that I just can't wait to be with. Right? I, I love my little brother, but it's, it's, there's something different there. And then lastly, agape. Agape is the highest form of love, and agape is divine love. But agape means it's the kind of love where I will sacri- I will do anything. I will sacrifice myself, and I would lose my life for that person. And so, in Christianity, right? Sometimes we have this idea that eros is like not good, but actually, Christianity teaches it's very good. But I, I tell like my engaged couples when you have eros for someone that's really, really good, I can't wait to be with that person, I love them so much, but it's not maybe yet at the level of, I would die for that person, I would do anything. That's, that's a different kind of love. It's a higher kind of love. They can overlap, they can bleed into each other, but, so, my love for my fiance, right, um, I don't know, but probably there's a lot of eros there, where I just I have a physical attraction, but also personality-wise and um, affective attraction. God's love for us, the New Testament, dominantly will say the way God loves us is with agape. Is it? And that's what Christianity. If, this is jumping the gun, but right as Christians, we believe that Jesus literally did that. Right, he sacrificed himself, and he not only would give anything; he did give everything. Okay, that's gonna happen a lot. Long answer to a short question. That's happens. Great. More. That's it for now. Anybody here? Okay. Okay, so first, first starting point tonight is gonna be. We're gonna talk a lot. I'm gonna appeal. I'm. I'm. I tend to be someone who lives up here. I am a thinker. I am not the smartest person on earth, for sure, but I am a thinker. I read a ton. My mind tends to lead my heart. So I'm going to talk to you a lot about what I think is true, and what the Catholic Church thinks is true, and why. But where I want to start with is that Christianity did not start that way. And this this is the beginning point of our our discussion together. Lots of time in human history, there have been brilliant people, way more brilliant than I am, right, who could just destroy me in an argument. Um, And what's interesting in history is, like, you have people who are really, really, really smart, but it turns out they're wrong at least to some degree about something, which is true of, I would say, every single human being. Um, And what happens is that for us as human beings, we live in the world we live in. And I would say right now in 2020 America, you can't help but be influenced by the world we live in. And we just think we're the ones who kind of know better than the last generation. Does that, does that kind of make sense? This means yes. This means no. Or you can serve at the four. Okay. Thank you for not responding. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, we tend to think that. We tend to think we just know better than previous generations. Now, what I want to talk about to start tonight is that Christianity did not begin that way. When, you, when we talk about other religions, or like in the United States today, much of the way, and we'll get to this over the course of our time together, is that a lot of the way we think about things comes from really, really, really smart people. So something we'll talk about is we'll talk about the Enlightenment. I like writing words on the board because it makes me feel powerful. <laughs> um, That says enlightenment, if you can't see it, can you see that online?
1: Um, I'm also writing it, too,
0: so. Okay, thank you. So it's a no. It's a little, there's a
1: little
0: glare. Okay, so enlightenment, we'll talk about the enlightenment. And in the enlightenment, you have thinkers and great philosophers they are brilliant. Um, We're gonna talk about postmodernism. You have really smart postmodern thinkers. You have all kinds of really intelligent people. usually what happens is those movements tend to last for a certain amount of time and then at a certain point they become irrelevant. And no one knows how long that will be. Christianity did not start that way. And almost, and I will push you that that other philosophies, worldviews, religions, they tend to start with someone who kind of figured it So Buddha, for instance, Siddhartha Gautama, <clears throat> attained enlightenment. If you, if you follow the Buddhist religion, that's what they say happened, is that Buddha attained enlightenment. He got to a point in his life where he kind of figured it out. Um, much of our discourse in the modern you know, first world, and certainly in the United States, is influenced by people like Friedrich Nietzsche, Um, or um, uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, for instance. Really smart people. You might know them, you might not. Whatever. They, They claimed, they thought really hard, they figured it out. Here's how Christianity started. Christianity blew up in the first century, and we're going to talk about this. It exploded, and it didn't explode with smart people. And there's tons of evidence about this and we have tons of testimony about this. The first teachers of Christianity were uneducated peasants. And so Christianity did not start with the system. It didn't start that way. Lots of other things do. Lots of of kind of things that people believe about how the world is. They start with really smart people and they try to put the whole world together and they have an intellectual system where everything makes sense. Christianity, if anything in history, can be trusted from the ancient world. Christianity started because a group of people said, this person was dead. I saw him buried and then I saw him eat fish three days later. And one quick story about this. When I was in college, um, again, at that Catholic you know, stronghold, University of Colorado, we had a, a class, that was the rise and fall of ancient Rome. And I remember my professor, he st- the first day of class he said this. He said, look, I am not a Christian but we can't avoid talking about Christianity in this class. And he said, nothing in the history of the world is like Christianity. There's never been anything like it where a tiny persecuted group became the dominant religion of the greatest empire in the history of the world. He's like, nothing like that has ever happened. And when we read what happened in the ancient world, Again, this, this was not like brilliant philosophers sitting at a table saying, you know, well, I, I think this is the case and I think this is the case. It wasn't that. It was a group of fishermen who said, I will die before I will say that that man's not alive. Now that, of course, we're going to talk a lot about whether how do you become a Christian, how do you become a Catholic. We're going to talk a lot about that. It's a very intricate process. But this is massively important. Christianity did not start with really smart people. It started with an event. That's another way to say this. It was not an idea that started Christianity. It was an event. Okay, let's pause there really quick. Questions or thoughts about that?
1: Give it a second because there's
0: a little lag. Right time. Yeah. In the spring when COVID hit, we were doing the same thing, but it was like the five of us in my house. And this is a little different. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anybody here? Any any thoughts about that? Questions? pushback? back. So one of the reasons that matters why is that important? one of the reasons that matters is that this isn't just an idea someone came up with um, I've met lots of people who are I've been very privileged who are insanely smart but who sometimes are wrong, because all of us are wrong sometimes. Um, And and what the the early Christians tell us is that being a Christian isn't about something that someone came up with, but was about something that happened. Um, Okay. So if you're going to become Catholic, there are three questions. We talked about this last week. There are three things you have to say yes to. Now there are going to be a thousand more, but we're going to hit this a lot. The first thing is, um, does God exist? You've got to be able to say yes to that. You might not be able to explain it perfectly. You might not be able to be a philosopher. Um, but. You can't be a Christian if you can't say yes to that question. Right? The second question is, is Jesus God? And again, you might I hope by the you know end of our time together, like I hope to convince you of that. I cannot force you to believe that. That's gonna require you to open yourself to it. We'll we'll talk about how that works, what does faith mean, how does a person come to believe this person is actually God. We'll we'll talk a lot about that. The third question is, did Jesus... I'm going to make that symbol a lot. So if you're watching online, it looks like a P with an X through it. Um, That's an early Christian symbol for Christ. And the reason for that is... When you spell Jesus, when you spell Christ in Greek, it looks like this. And what the early Christians did is they took the first two letters of Christ and they made it into this symbol. And so I'll use that as shorthand, as a symbol for Jesus, because it saves time. That's about it. And space. So did Jesus give authority? the Catholic Church. Question Those are the three questions. We're going to spend a lot of time on all three of them. And by the way, we're going to talk about a hundred other questions you have. We're going to talk about um, is the Eucharist really the body and blood of Jesus? Why can't women be priests? What's wrong with gay marriage? Um, I don't know. Everything you can think of. And if I don't think of it, put a question in the question box or ask it online. Um, And here's my point is that, and again, we said this last week, so we're just retracing a little bit here tonight. Um, When you get married, you don't have to know everything about your spouse. In fact, I would say it's impossible to know everything about your spouse when you get married. Um, but you better know some big questions, right? Like, do I love this person? Do they love me? Are we committed to stay together the rest of our lives? If you haven't answered those three, I won't marry you. Right? But if you don't know what your like spouse's or your, your fiance's like favorite band from the 80s is, we're gonna be okay, right? With Catholicism, you probably have questions that are, like, really important, and we're going to get to as many of them as we can. But these are the three big ones. Because you might say, hey, you know what? I don't understand the church's teaching on, um, I don't know, um, why priests wear black. not sure that I understand that, actually. Does it really matter if I believe these three things? No. Not as much. You can still be a very good Catholic and not know why priests wear black. It's not a central point. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, thank you. Okay, so here we go. So tonight what we're gonna do is we're gonna just dive into the first question. We're gonna start this. I never know where any of you are at. Usually what happens, and I said this again last week, in the first class, in the first couple of classes, This is a little bit more intellectually dense. We have to do it because some of you really need that. Usually what happens is 90% of people are like, I just trust God exists, I have no question about that whatsoever. But it really matters for the 10% who aren't there. And if you already are there, I want you to not just feel that way. I want you to be like intellectually confident that this isn't a feeling this is not a, a nice idea or something I hope is true. The, the, the God's existence is more certain than 2 and 2 is 4. If you don't believe God exists, it's, it's easier to believe that than it is to believe 2 and 2 is 4. And I want to convince you of that. Okay, ready for that? If, if we were really organized, we would have that 90s song, y'all ready for this? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. That's a good idea. We should do that. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Okay, sorry. Okay. So, a couple of fallacies. So, <laughs> there's a handout. It's not totally complete, but it, um, it's online, right? Yeah. Um, it's on a Google Drive that you can get to. And I want to just walk through this a little bit. And we're going to just talk a little bit about this tonight. And just hang with me. If you're in a place where you're like, Father Brian, I'm a Christian, I'm here, hang with me, this is good for your faith. And, and again, one of the things I love about being Catholic, being Catholic, the Catholic Church is the only thing I've ever encountered in my life that very profoundly speaks to my mind and my heart. And if you if you only speak to the mind, right? We've all met people like that. I have friends like this who are like, they are brilliant and I love them. And they're a little weird. I'm like, do you care about people? Or are you just kind of like, you live in a pure all day, right? But on the other end, you have people who are just like, man, I just I just love you, man. I love you. And they're just like, okay. Does truth matter to you? And we want to bring those two together. Okay, so here we go. So a couple of fallacies I want to start with. The first fallacy is that science is is intrinsically atheistic. Right? And this is a very common idea today. Um, So people think, you know what? Science has disproved God's existence. That is fundamentally false, and not only is it false, it's a category mistake. It's like saying that number can disprove color. It's a category mistake. And here's why. Science, what does science deal with, you who are in the room tonight? The
2: universe, the physical universe.
0: Yeah, and I would say the observable universe, right? The scientific method, right? It, and someone will call me out on this because science is not my expertise. But science, what it does is it has hypotheses, and it observes what's happening in reality in the observable universe, and then it tests the idea, the the hypotheses it has, against what it observes. And so, and so, like with astronomy, right? You have like, you know the ancient world thought, well, the, the sun goes around the earth. You have, um, what's that called? Um, not heliocentrism, but uh, ethnocentrism, is that what it's called? I, don't know. I forget their technical word. But anyway, you know, you think the because the, the, it looks like it. You look out in this night sky and you say, okay, like, well, it looks like the sun goes around the earth. And you test it, but then eventually what happens is you get someone like Copernicus comes around and says, Actually, I can observe things, and a much better way to understand things is that the earth goes around the sun. And so science is always testing its hypotheses against what it observes. Can this explain what we observe as happening? Now, here's the point. God's existence, by definition, is not something observable. By definition. And you can, you would, if you go online tonight, if you go on YouTube and you look up, you know, you could find different people who believe in God who would say that it is. And I just I'm gonna be a little arrogant and I'm gonna be a little bit unnuanced with this because otherwise we'll be here till the end of time. It's not intelligent. And I'm gonna challenge you if you're thinking about becoming Catholic don't wrestle with a person who doesn't know what they're talking about. They could be an amazing, holy person. They could be a a great saint. But if if you're up here and you're like, well, this can't be true, wrestle with someone who's intelligent. And the great thinkers of Christian history, and we're not talking about small names. We're talking about some of the greatest thinkers in the history of the world. They have never said this. So science, science is by definition concerned with what we're able to observe through our senses. Christians, and not just Christians, but anyone who is a serious thinker in the religious realm has that they all say that God is not a being. God is not a being inside our universe. So that circle around the word being is the universe. And I'll use an analogy that will help this a little bit. Serious thinkers about God. And we're not talking about modern ones. I'm not talking about, oh wow, like Father Brian encountered atheism. And so he's came up with a good response to this. I'm talking about Aristotle in the 3rd century BC. I'm talking about Plato, I'm talking about Jesus, I'm talking about St. Augustine, I'm talking about St. Thomas Aquinas. I'm talking about Averroes in the Islamic religion. These are not small names. These are some of the greatest thinkers in all of history. What science does, science is concerned with what's inside our universe. What, what people who believe in God believe is that God is not someone who is inside of our universe. The way that you guys are and I am, right, the way that this church is, we don't think God's another being. and again, we'll get to an analogy here in a second that's going to help you see this. Um, what we believe, as people who believe in God, is that God stands outside of the universe, and He is the cause of the universe. Okay, so here's the analogy. The analogy is this, and it's very simple. So lots of people have said this, but C.S. Lewis gives a great articulation of this. And I'll give you the actual quote at some point in class. Um, C.S. Lewis says, looking for God inside the universe. You know, like if you're a scientist and you're like, I'm looking for um, a proton, and maybe protons hadn't been discovered. And You're looking and searching, you get microscopes, and you drill down to the lowest levels of, of beings. And you're looking at the atom, and you're trying to find it, and as you find it, like there it is, there's a proton it's inside our universe. Or you're a biologist, and you say, you know, um, I believe that Bigfoot exists. And you're looking inside of our universe. And by the way, you'll hear atheists say this, they'll compare God to Bigfoot, which is extraordinarily unintelligent. If you ever hear someone compare God to Bigfoot or an alien, like, and to be just an arrogant jerk, which I am an arrogant jerk, what I always wanna say to people is I wanna say, go do your homework. Go actually read real thinkers and like come talk to me when you've done that. No serious thinker believes that God is like Bigfoot. Like and I don't believe in Bigfoot, by the way. I would never look for God inside of our universe. So the analogy that C.S. Lewis uses is he says looking for God inside our universe is like looking for Shakespeare inside of Hamlet. So if you pick up the the play Hamlet and you're reading it, if you're looking for Shakespeare. And I assigned to RCIA class and said, hey, everybody go home, go read Hamlet or go read Macbeth, go read Romeo and Juliet, look for Shakespeare. If I said that to you, and you came back and you said, hey, you know what, F.B., I didn't find Shakespeare inside of Hamlet. The weird thing would be if you did, Right? The weird thing would be if you did, if you read Hamlet, Shakespeare is not a character inside of Hamlet. He's not inside of that universe. Shakespeare is the author of Hamlet. And if we really wanted to go deep, I could show you how, in intellectual history, there is a thinker named Dun Scotus, who's actually Catholic, who's, he's actually a blessing, he's a great man. But he started shifting the conversation to people thinking that they could discover God inside the universe. And today, when I when I listen to people who are atheists, they tend to say things like that. They tend to say, hey, we've looked everywhere. We have searched everywhere for God. We can't find him. Again, Not just Christians, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, um, like maybe not agnostics, but deists who just think there must be some God somewhere. If they are serious and they're intelligent, they never believe that God is something that exists the way you and I exist. No one believes that who's serious. Serious thinkers in the Catholic faith has always been this way, does not believe you could ever find God that way because God is not a character inside of his own play. But he's someone who stands outside of it. Yeah. So
2: question, this is, might mm-hmm. go a little deep here, but there's a book, you may be familiar, The Universal Christ, I think it's written by a Catholic priest. I don't, want to say that I don't know somewhere. that one. Oh. But his whole argument is that God is present in every one and everything uh-huh. on earth. So does that, and he sort of makes argument with the Eucharist being a part of all that as well. How does that kind of
0: tie? Sure, so So I haven't read this book, but let me just recapitulate this for our television audience. (laughs) um, Do I look fat on TV? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Don't answer, don't answer that. Um, Yeah, so so is God present in everyone and everything? Now we could talk about that on a spiritual level, but right now we're talking about it as an argument for does does God really exist? And like if I'm if I'm a serious thinker and someone comes up to me and they say, I see God inside of you. Now, I, I actually believe that. It's a really bad argument. Right? Like, it's, you would never convince an atheist unless there's something more to it. But but that alone, right, wouldn't convince someone of that. Like, we do believe God is present in a spiritual way. But in, we're talking right now about science. Science doesn't deal with spiritual realities. Science is with observable phenomenon that I can test. And I can take an idea that I have and I can test it against my idea. That's right. I think it's more a
2: spiritual sense, I guess. Yeah,
0: so that's, so I actually do think that's true, but it's just, in the realm we're talking about right now, it's not a good argument. Other questions? By week three, (laughs) he'll be comfortable with me and he'll be like, FB, I got four questions. Okay, okay. That's the first. That's the first thing that I just want to show you is like you will see people on the internet who say, and scientists, and very intelligent scientists, who will say we've proved God doesn't exist. And this is, you ever, you know, like when NBA players talk about politics. <laughs> ever you ever heard that happening? You know, like ever, when when people are like Hollywood actors when they talk about politics, they're entitled to their opinion. Of course they are. But just because they're a good football player doesn't mean they know a lot about politics. Really, really, really intelligent scientists sometimes are really, really unintelligent about philosophy. It's mind-blowing. But I have seen brilliant physicists who are just like, you're smarter than me, who don't understand the most basic philosophical distinctions. And so just because someone's smart in one area doesn't mean they know what they're talking about in every area. Um, and this is the, this is science by definition by definition science is about the observable universe. People who really believe in God by definition do not believe he is observable by empirical methodology. It's a category mistake. My favorite letter is green. It's a category mistake. okay. Second, second myth, and I'm gonna go much quicker with the other ones. Second myth is religion is the source of wars. This is a big one. Has anybody ever heard that? The religion just is the source of wars? Yeah, right? <clears throat> now, religion does cause fighting. But what I would actually say is that human beings cause fighting. <laughs> Some human beings are religious, others aren't. And so People today, like I, like and so I, about I don't know a year and a half ago, I really got interested in the new atheists. So you might know some of them. like Richard Dawkins and uh, Chris Hitchens and Sam Harris. Um, oh, what's other guy's name? I'm gonna blank it right now. But they all say they'll say, look, religion just causes like fighting and evil and wars. Now, and they'll say, look, look at this war, and look at this, and look at 9/11, and look at this. And they're not wrong. But what I always wanna say, and we're gonna be very quick with this, is that human beings cause fighting. And wars are evil and we should do our best to avoid them at all possible costs. The 20th century had more death than all centuries we know of combined. And they were caused by atheistic regimes. And so the simple point there is if I have to own the Crusades, the atheist has to own Stalin and Hitler. Hitler. If I'm responsible for what happened in the 12th century, which I don't think I am, and I actually don't think the atheist today is responsible for Stalin or Hitler, but if they're gonna say you're a Christian, Christian religion causes wars and hatred, my simple response is if that's the standard you have more to answer for than all of human history combined. It's just, it's unintelligent. Even playing field, human beings cause wars. It's no, it's no intelligent argument against God's existence. Okay. Third one, evolution is incompatible with Christianity. Has anybody ever thought this? No one. Okay, one person. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> A lot of people today think that evolution and Christianity can't go hand in hand. I don't want to go too deep into this tonight. But what I do want to just tell you very briefly is that the Catholic Church has no problem with evolution. I believe in evolution. Um, Pope Benedict XVI, who is one of the most intelligent men of the 20th century, talks all the time about evolution and just assumes it is true. St. John Paul II assumes evolution is true. There are certain nuances within that, but by and large, um, you'll meet a lot of Christians who have problems with evolution. With evolution, Catholic stone. We just we just don't have a problem with that. Um, we don't see any contradiction there whatsoever. Okay. Pause. Questions. Thoughts. Yeah. Yes. So, like, what-
1: always goes to the God created Adam and Eve and create the Neanderthals. And so
0: I guess great. You can shed a little light on that. Yeah, it's a great question. So to repeat that for those listening over the web, um, so she said she's Catholic and she hears that all the time, but you hear Catholics, and correct me if I get this wrong, Catholics will say, yeah, but God created Adam and Eve and not the Neanderthals. So how does that it kind of square?
1: Well, sorry, i kind of, I would say that I'm Catholic, and the Catholic Church does not have an issue with evolution. And a lot of people say that in
0: Christianity, um, God created, and um, we didn't create the Neanderthals Right. Not necessarily just. Catholicism. Okay, not just Catholicism. Okay, yeah. So I think this should be helpful. It's a little bit. It's funny. Tonight I was like a little nervous. I'm like, man, I wasn't underprepared for tonight but this is good because we're off topic and we're jumping ahead. and I know a little bit about this stuff. So so here's here's what the church thinks about this. So Catholicism has an actual authoritative document on this. It's called Humani Generis. It was written by Pope Pius XII in like the ni- late 1940s, early 50s. Um, so Humani Generis... Oops. And it's on the origin of humanity, as the title suggests. So here's, with evolution, what the church believes is, is that God did create humanity. But what does that mean? And so evolution, we'll get to this more with time, I think. But evolution, um, there's, there's a couple big questions in evolution that demand philosophical answers and not just biological answers. So the first question is, how do you go from a rock or something that does not have life? How do you jump from something that's inanimate to something that has life? I don't know. I'm not I am not an evolutionary biologist, but to my understanding, like there's there's really not an answer for that question. Right? Most of the way evolution works, right, is it assumes you have a bacteria cell. You have something. You have something that's alive, right? And so, for me, like I can just say, um, I have no problem whatsoever with the evolution of species within living beings. But, but, but there's there's two more jumps. So, how do you go from like a bacteria cell to something that has sensation? really difficult problem to answer. Um, we're going to touch on more of these in class, by the way. We'll talk about things like consciousness. Extremely complex. And and some of you, if, if you're well-educated in some of these questions, you might ask, well, is this the God of the gaps? No, it's not. It's not what we're getting to. If, if this problem is solved tomorrow, we have no problem. It doesn't bother us. All I'm saying right now is we, we don't we don't know that. The hardest jump is the third one. And we are confident in this one. And this is where uh, this document by Pius XII, Human Generis comes in, is the jump between uh, something that can sense things um, to rationality And we're gonna talk about that word. This is a little bit much for the first night. I don't know if anybody's here tonight is like, what in the H-E double hockey sticks are we talking about? If you're there, this is a little bit more heady stuff that we start with. It'll come down a little bit. This is important though. Jumping from a a sensitive animal, an animal that can sense things, that feels pain, light, sound, sight, taste, touch, whatever, To an animal that has the capacity of rationality, which as far as we know, in the observable universe, human beings are the only ones who have this, rationality is not a biological process. And when we talk about existence of the soul, which might be next class, I'm gonna show you how it's impossible, it's impossible to believe in the soul if it is a material, physical thing impossible. Um, what's, what is that line? Um, oh, you remember Princess Bride? Are you guys like, inconceivable, right? It is inconceivable that, that this could be that way. Um, I'm going to give you some really good arguments. And I'm going to show you how even modern neuroscience, I read a book about this three months ago, modern neuroscience cannot account for and, and philosophically, you just can't. So, so anyway, so my, my point is this, is that for Catholics, what we believe, and this is finally hopefully gonna answer your question, if, if, if a monkey, I would draw a monkey, but I can't. Um, if we evolve from primates, from, from some species of apes or monkeys, the Catholic Church, actually, we, we've never had a position that we, yeah, that happened or no, it didn't. If it happened, it doesn't bother us. What humanity Generous says is that this moment, that is what makes a human being a human being. It's not that we have a higher degree of intelligence on some level than animals. It's not that we have greater motor skills than animals. We're gonna talk about what the, what the word rationality means philosophically, impossible, to arrive at by a biological process. Impossible. And so what the church believes is that maybe Adam and Eve, maybe their bodies, maybe there was an evolutionary process, we don't have a position on this. It doesn't matter to us. Maybe Maybe our bodies did evolve from chimpanzees. Who knows? But what we believe is that at some point God had to intervene in our souls. And that a human being is not a human being without that's actually, and we'll talk about what is the difference between a human being and an animal. Um, it's, here's a hint, it's not opposable thumbs. That does matter. That absolutely does matter, and it's a little complex. It does matter, but it's, but it's this. Okay. So, Some questions from peanut. So, a
1: lot of people have asked, one of them is, can you be a Catholic and have a problem with believing in evolution? And then the second one is just a quick, like, why do Catholics versus other non-denominational Christians not have a problem with evolution, specifically? Like you said, you know, So why do Catholics not
0: have a problem with other Christians? Yes, and then
1: also could you be a Catholic and have a problem with it?
0: Yeah, so, okay, so can you be a Catholic and not believe in evolution? Yes. So the the official teaching of the church is just ambiguous. It basically says, this isn't something that we have a comment on either way. If evolution is true, we have no problem with it. I would challenge you, I just, I, and, and this is me, this is not the Catholic Church. Like, I, I don't know why to not believe in evolution. I, and that's just me, I just don't. But um, the great thing, one of the things I'm going to try to show you in, in the Catholic faith is that there's no contradiction between science and religion. No contradiction. And Catholics have never had a problem with this. So why do some non-Catholic Christians have a problem with evolution? It's complex, I can't speak for all of them, and there's different Christians out there, but part of the problem is that, and we'll get to this, is that Catholics don't believe in what's called Bible alone or sola scriptura. Protestants, by definition, do. That's kind of what started the Protestant Reformation. You might meet some Protestants who no longer believe that, so maybe I should be more nuanced with that. But by and large, over overwhelmingly, this is what Protestant Christians believe. And not you. By the way, I just want this is a good caveat. You will meet Protestant Christians who do not, who do believe in evolution and have no problem with it. You'll meet plenty of them, but they, in my experience, they're not the dominant voice. But they are out there. But why do they not believe in evolution? Well, they tend, and again, that's where I get in trouble, I have to be careful. They tend, not all of them, but they tend to read the Bible a little more literally than Catholics do. So at the creation story, we're going to talk about that maybe next class, I don't know. Um, They tend to read the six days of creation, literally. And so they, they, they tend to read the Bible as there were six 24-hour periods where God created the earth. Catholics, if you want to believe that as a Catholic, the church wouldn't like, condemn you, but Catholics have no horse in that race. St. Augustine in the 4th century, so when we're talking about 300s, St. Augustine is very clear that there's no way this is six 24-hour periods. Because the sun is created on day four of the creation story, and there's light on day one. And Catholics have never had a problem saying, this is going to blow your mind, come back next week. You're going to love hearing about the creation story. Catholics have never, ever had a problem saying, the creation story is not about how God created the world, it's about why. And this is not a modern... Father Brian at Lord's trying to kind of trick you. This is an ancient thing that the ancient Christians talked about.
1: Um, humans have invented gods. You said these gods were just thought of rather than Christianity starting with an event. Mm-hmm. How did the Jewish people encounter God and know that this is actually God and not just another thought?
0: Yeah, so Judaism corresponds, I, that's a great question. So the question, do you guys hear that? How did, and actually for people on the internet, it's not weird to say, hello to the internet. <laughs> um, what about Judaism? Is Judaism just someone who thought up the idea of God? No. Christians.
1: Or how did they encounter God and know that it was actually God?
0: And it's similar for Jews. It's through an event. Right? The, the, the definitive Jewish event is the Exodus story. And so Jews believe it was not just like the system, but it was a revelation. We're going to talk about that as well. But that this wasn't somebody's great idea. But it was something that happened in history. And so Jews stand in continuity with Christians. What Christians believe, though, is that in Jesus, what happened in Jesus, was not just for this one nation. And St. Paul will say this in Acts chapter 17 is that, so Paul, so imagine today, like, imagine some religion you've never heard of before, and imagine it's it's causing buzz, People are like, what is this thing? And then all of a sudden, Paul goes in Acts 17 to the Areopagus in Athens, and eventually he's going to go to Rome. And so imagine, like, today, like, you have this tiny religion that no one's ever heard of, and what Paul does when he goes to Athens which is the center of intellectual thought. He says, Look, lots of people believe lots of things, but now God has, and God overlooks that because how are you supposed to know? But he says, now he has given definitive proof to everyone everywhere, because he has raised a person from so the ancient world, we'll talk about this when we talk about resurrection. The ancient world did not believe in resurrection. You'll hear people say that. They're like, oh, people believe people rose from the dead. No, they didn't. And I have done my research on this. No, they didn't. No one believed in resurrection. And it doesn't prove Christianity. But the early Christians died martyrs because they saw someone rise from the dead. And they said, this is a game changer for all of humanity. So with Judaism, there was an encounter, but it was like for this people. And it was on its way for everyone. And what Christians believe is that in Christ, it came to the moment where this is not for one nation. This is for everyone. Um, did that kind of answer it, Steph? I think so. yeah. It's hard when they're not in the room. They can't rebut me. Yeah. <laughs> I love no, <laughs> yeah. So would, he,
1: so would be so Mormonism more of
0: a idea? Yeah, no. These are good, good examples. Mormonism was it claims to be also revelation. Um. So this is good. You guys are I love this group. Got their thinking caps on. So Mormonism um, would claim also revelation. The big difference between other Christians and Mormons, and this is always a delicate subject. Catholics and most Christians don't believe Mormons are are Christians and I don't mean that to be offensive to them. I have have friends who are Mormons. They regard themselves as Christians. The pushback on them is that when Joseph Smith had his revelation, it's a what we would call a private revelation. So what what that means is that he had the golden tablets, he saw them, And uh, there were supposedly other witnesses. They all recanted later. And what Catholics believe in and Christians is public revelation. So in other words, what we believe is like, if I said to you, I said, hey, guys, I had this amazing, unbelievable experience of God. I was filled with peace and light and joy, and God told me your sin. Here they are, right? Like, I don't know. But if I if I had that kind of experience, and by the way, sometimes people will say things like that to me. They say, Father Brian, God came to me and this happened. And and the the question that happens with that is how am I supposed to know? Right? Like, it's it's really hard to deny someone else's experience and what Christianity believes in, if you're, if you're someone who's coming from a Christian tradition, this is what Hebrews chapter one is all about, is that the, the revelation of Jesus Christ was not a hidden, private thing. It was public. And so it's, it is able to be scrutinized, it is able to be challenged, It was not done in a dark corner. It is something that all of us can say, either that's true or it's not. Um, And so with Mormons, yeah, they they do claim a revelation and not a system so much. Um, So they are an exception to that. Um, But theirs is a private revelation.
2: Yeah. Just quickly to go back to that question earlier on the evolution piece of it. So, is the argument that Adam and Eve, they may not necessarily have been human beings. They could have evolved from something else that was still rational, but they evolved into
0: potentially human beings. Or were they created as human beings? So, the key point here is that you can't be a human being without being rational. Okay. Oh, so
1: repeat?
0: Yeah, repeat that for the camera. <sighs> so hard to get the camera. <laughs> no, that's really good. So, um, yeah. So, so to go back to the evolution question, were Adam and Eve created as human beings, We just repeat it again so I can...
2: Yeah, I was just curious if Adam and Eve were created as human beings. Right. Like, do we know that for a fact, or do we just know they were created as creatures that were rational, and
0: then... Yeah, were they, they created as human from... beings, or created as creatures that were rational, yeah. and then evolved to a point where they became human beings? Right, exactly. Yeah. So what the church would say is that you cannot be a human being without having a rational soul. That that's what it means to be a human being. And we're, we're going to talk about what, what that means. We're going to get very specific in the next couple of classes about what a rational soul, what that means. We're going to talk about what a soul means. How do we know there's such a thing as a soul? We'll talk about that. Um, I'm going I'm to show you, like, you don't have to believe in a soul. I think it's, if, if you don't believe in the soul, you're going to end up saying some really, really unintelligent things. Um, but, so what the church teaches about this is, like, there may have been beings that were evolving, but until they became rational, they were not human beings. And and what we believe is God intervened, if that's the way it happened, then the jump between being a non-rational being and a rational being is a bigger jump than the jump between becoming a rock and a blade of grass. Right, like a rock does not become a blade of grass. That's a huge leap. The the jump between being a non-rational being and a an rational being is light years bigger. And I'm going to show you that tonight's not the night, but we will get to that. And what we believe is that that's what makes a human being a human being. And we'll talk about like what about people with disabilities? We'll talk about that. They're still human beings. They still have rational souls. Actually, we'll we'll get to that. But but as far as Adam Eve. There could, so the church says, there could have been beings involved in them. They don't die in that hell, though. They just say it's possible. We just don't know. But the create, but what they would say is that definitively, at some point, God intervened to create humanity. Now, whether He did that with something that was on its way there, and the matter was there, or it was something brand new, we don't have a position. And one, one more analogy that might help with this. So when I talk to people about this, I think of like, so imagine, so if God created Adam and Eve, just like, hey, here's nothing. I'm going to create Adam and Eve. Or if like there was species evolving slowly and at some point you intervened and said, we're going we're gonna to infuse this with a rational soul. The way I think of this is like, remember when you were playing t-ball as a kid? Did you play t-ball? Yeah. Yeah. Best thing ever. I'm thinking about taking it up again. Um, in my mind, like, T-Ball is a little bit like God just created humanity out of nothing. If God created human beings out of something that was evolving and developing, for me, that's like when you move to actual baseball. And it's actually more beautiful. Because there's, there's, a, there's a moving sphere coming at you that God is going to transform. Um, so the church doesn't have a position on which one of those actually happened. It just says either one of those is fine. But the, but the, the jump between a non-rational being and a rational being, that's the moment that God creates humanity. <laughs>
2: I'm just, still so struggling with the Adam and GPs, like could they have been something not rational?
0: Like, no, because rational they, they is the same rational. thing. Like, Ration, like if they are rational, go. they are they are humans. And we'll, let's punch on this till next class. Yeah, that's um, and we'll, we'll come back to this. And if it doesn't make sense, hit me again. Right, and there might come a point where you're like, okay, FB just can't handle my question. I'm gonna go to somebody else. But usually mm-hmm. we get to that and we're usually able to flush that out. Um, by the way, I usually give you a break. I don't know what happened tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. That's like Not my true. fault. Um, we will give you a break usually to take, take you know a little time, use the restroom. Um, are there other questions? There's one more. Okay, one more. So, so okay. I believe there's God because I can't understand the creation of something or anything
1: for that matter. Like our universe being created from nothing. I However... It makes me ask, where did
0: God come from and why does God not have a creator? Okay, why does God not have a creator? So this actually leads us into, and I'm going to just leave you this tonight. Next class? So next class, I'm just going to warn you, is going to be very intellectual on God's existence. From there, we're gonna, it's not going to be as intensely intellectual. And every year there's people who are like, this is awesome, I love this, this is what I wanted. And there's other people who are like, why the hell did I come to this class? And if you're in that latter category, I just encourage you, hang on. We're gonna gonna move on to some lighter things. But this will set us up for next week. And I hope what'll happen, so some of your quotes on your sheet are about this. Um, So the question this person just asked online is the first quote on our sheet. So Bertrand Russell was a famous uh, British atheist and the first quote on your sheet is about this and basically here's the idea right so if you have dominoes and you say okay if we if we understand God is real because everything has to be created and if the dominoes right if you push over a domino and this is an analogy I used to use until I realized it was the wrong one um that's domino um, if, right. If someone knocks over the first domino, right, that knocks over the second, and on, and on and on and and if if we can't see past this line, and all we see are these three falling over. Well, if you see this domino fall over, right, what you know, and if and a domino can't fall over by itself, if it's in a vacuum and there's there's no wind. There's no gravity. It's just perfectly upright. And there's no change. What we know is something had to make that happen. And if you can only see this far, what you what you know is you say, "Well, I can't see past that line, but I know something knocked over this domino." And what most people think the Christian argument is, and I'm going to show you next week why right, this is not the Christian argument. Um, are you intrigued? <laughs> right. Um, what I and I used to think this was it is that this piece, over this piece and i this piece, and this piece, and this piece, and this piece. And the question this person is asking is what Bertrand Russell says. So look, if you have the handout, um, look at it. If not, you're out of luck. Um, so he says, at the age of 18, I read John Stuart Mill. Does anybody know who John Stuart Mill is? Extra points if you do. John Stuart Mill is one of the two philosophers who founded a philosophy called Utilitarianism, which teaches that things are good or bad based on whether or not they create pleasure or pain. Now, at the age of 18, I read John Stuart Mill's autobiography, and I there found the sentence, my father taught me that the question who made me cannot be answered, since it immediately suggests the further question Who made God? So that's the question this person's asking, right? It's like, if I'm like, hey, here's Father Brian, who made me? Well, my parents made me. Well, who made my parents? Well, my grandparents. And if you trace that back forever, I used to think this is why we believe God exists. But it's not. What, What this person's saying is, well, eventually Christians think you get to a place of like, well, this one is God. And so Benth, or, um, John Stuart Mill goes on, uh, who made me cannot be answered since it immediately suggests the further question, who made God? That very simple sentence showed me, as I still think the fallacy and the argument of the first cause. We're going to talk about that. That's one of Aristotle's argument. First cause, where Aristotle calls it the unmoved mover. That very simple sentence showed me, as I still think, by the way, I want to just show you something. John Stuart Mill, who is one of the smartest men in history here, misunderstands Aristotle's argument for the existence of God. What John Stuart Mill says here, who is one of the most important Enlightenment thinkers, we're not talking about a professor at CU. We're not talking about your friend who studied philosophy. We're talking about one of the most important thinkers of the Enlightenment. He misunderstands the classical argument for God's existence. That happens all the time. That very simple sentence showed me, and as I still think, the fallacy in the the argument of the first cause, if everything must have a cause then God must have a cause. If there can be anything without a cause, it may just as well be the world as God. So there cannot be validity in that argument. Bertrand Russell is maybe the most famous um, atheist of like the late 19th, early 20th century. Early 20th, early, um, And he just says, look, if it's just the dominoes falling, And Christians say, well, the first one had to be God. Um, Why can't we just cross out God and put the world? Um, I'm going to show you next week. (laughs) 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 Questions? Because I really, I I actually, that was so dumb. (laughs) I really do want to show you next week. Oh, thank you. Um, There it is. uh, we're going to talk next week about how if you want to read ahead on the sheet you can and if you're someone who this question really matters I would actually encourage you to read this and think about that for next week but I'm going to show you how Bertrand Russell John Stuart Mill and by the way I'll bring these back next week and we'll talk about them so two great books we'll we'll probably start next week talking about this guy there's a guy named Ed Fazer who I think is the best author right now, who's just showing how all these people who claim that God's existence has been disproved, and he's he's very, he's kind of like, I like him because he's kind of a pistol, and he's like, they just don't take the argument seriously. Um, this guy, so Ed Fazer, two of his books, he's wrote, written a bunch of them. Uh, Convert to Catholicism, I will tell you his story next week. He was an atheist and his own studies led him to become Catholic. Um, Brilliant philosopher is one of the most important philosophers alive today. Um, The Last Superstition, um, which is a refutation of the new atheism, and then Five Proofs of the Existence of God, which takes five of the classical arguments that people considered irrefutable, not just like, these are really good, but like, it's impossible to refute these, He takes those and he just makes them a little bit more accessible today. I'm going to show you next week um, what he says about that and how he shows that so many really, really intelligent and even really good-willed people today, they simply misread what the great arguments for God's existence are. And once you get them, no one has ever refuted them. Pretty cool, huh? Announcements? Thoughts? Um,
1: okay, so just a couple of logistical things. So from now on, we're going to meet in this room, which is called McCadden Hall. So this side door...
0: Hey, come stand in front of Oh,
1: yeah. What am I doing? Hello, everybody. So <laughs> now we're going to be meeting in McCadden Hall. So if you come in person, and for those in person, come through the side door, which is by the grotto. It'll be unlocked at about 620. And then you can come in. And we'll just continue this chair process for right now. So if you come in person, the chairs will be in the side room. And so you'll just grab your own chair like you did, and we just ask you if you could just bring it back and stack them how they were. That would be great. Um, And then, yeah, normally I thought about this when we had 15 minutes left. Normally we have a break, so I apologize, (laughs) that's my fault. And then, some people sent questions that we didn't get to. I am filing them and they will be asked. So you can always write them down. We won't leave you behind. And I think that that's it. I'll send an email out with links to the books he referenced and um, the sheet and the calendar again for everyone too. So, and then email rcilords@gmail at gmail if you're not getting the updates and I'll add you to the list. That's all. Thanks. Also, one last
0: thing I would say is that, um, thank you Steph. Yeah. If, so these books, I'm going to recommend a lot of books in class. And I just, these two, like, so if you want, if, if, if you're into this and you're like, okay, I need to do my research on this, this book is much easier, I would say, than this book. They're both meant to be easier for the popular reader. Um, I laughed out loud at this book because he's, he's really saucy. So, like, um... Richard Dawkins is one of the new atheists. And he always says, he says, I would recommend that someone write a book about belief in God for Richard Dawkins. They could call it, instead of philosophy for for dummies, they could call it philosophy for Dawkins. Um, and I was like, that is hilarious. Maybe he wouldn't think so. But anyway, I'll tell you. So these are a little difficult, though. So if you don't have a background in philosophy, I would still encourage you to check these out. It's going to take some work. It's not like picking up Agatha Christie. It's a little bit of work. So, okay. Anybody last questions? Yeah. This one's called um, "The Last Superstition," a refutation of the new atheism. And again, I'll tell you more about Ed Faser, who he is next week. Um, He has a great story. Anybody else? This is so fun. I have missed RCIA. It's so good to have you guys here. Um, We're going to close. I'm just going to pray in our Father. If you're in a place where you can pray that with me, great. If you're not, that's fine too. Uh, And then we'll see you next week. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you, everybody. If you can help us, it would be great to help us with take chairs back. and um, the lights will turn on automatic. <coughs> Yeah, automatic light sensor. And we'll see you next week.